Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Our gospel text from Matthew 17 is a text for our sermon. How often have you been someplace and wanted to stay just because it was quite simply beautiful or gave you such great joy? The surroundings, the people, and your relationships in that place, or simply the vista and the view. It just seemed like nothing could ever be better. This happened for my father quite often on vacations. If he had opened an Italian restaurant, Grady, Italian, I know it makes no sense, but if he had opened one at all of the places he thought was the perfect spot to live out that fantasy of living the entrepreneurial dream life by feeding the tourists throng, I would be managing or owning about 20 establishments from Carmel, not Carmel, Carmel and Morro Bay, California, to Lake George, New York. These were places we had been, places he thought would be just good to just stay and never leave. In our intro, we sang, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. This is heaven, the throne of God. As Peter uttered the words, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He must have been awestruck by the majesty and beauty of what was before him, Christ shining white like the high beams of new cars with those really, really, really bright LED headlights. Their ability to pierce the darkness is astounding for the driver, but when facing them, their brightness is overwhelming. So it was only far greater for Peter, John, and James as they stood gazing at Jesus as he spoke to Moses and Elijah. They were not looking at the surrounding countryside and any possible view or vista. It was a glimpse of Christ's heavenly glory that they were given. And add to that, seeing the other two men who had long since been dead conversing with Jesus, it was a heavenly sight. It is amazing that Peter can even speak, or would speak, and of building tents, or as some translations make it out to be tabernacles, to contain the glory of those before him. Have you ever had this thought about this place? I don't want to leave. For a day in your courts, Scripture says, is better than a thousand elsewhere. Oh, that I could just stay here for refuge and not have to endure the things of this life, hassles at work, troubles in a marriage, kids arguing with each other, the temptation to sin that I can't seem to purge from my life and often give in to too readily, and all the other things that make this life so difficult that are the result of our own sin and the sins of those around us, sin in the fallen nature of all men. Before this, in Matthew's Gospel, we see some trouble brewing. At the beginning of chapter 16, before this one, the Pharisees are demanding a sign from Jesus, and he refuses, calling them wicked and unfaithful, saying that 
all they will get is the sign of Jonah. It's when they see his resurrection. The disciples may have flinched at that one. Was that the way to talk to the spiritual leaders of the people? Remember what happened to John the Baptist. He also reprimands his disciples for their lack of faith and to beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And even after Peter makes his great confession of Christ just before this chapter, Peter turns right around and rebukes Jesus for talking about having to go to Jerusalem, suffer, to die, and on the third day be raised. And Jesus tells Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are tempting me to sin because you are not thinking what God thinks, but what man thinks. Jesus then talks of his need to deny oneself, take up the cross, and follow him. Follow him where? He has already spoken about where he is headed and what will happen in Jerusalem. It's the very thing he's talking to Moses and Elijah about as they stand there together. With all of this in mind, the mountaintop and the glory looks pretty good. But as Peter is speaking, they are enveloped in an even larger and brighter cloud. In what we might call an Old Testament moment, the glory of God appeared shrouded in the cloud, and God spoke, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. Yep, this would be a good time to hide one's face, lest you die a sinful being in the presence of God. But they did not need to build tents to contain the holiness of God and protect themselves from God and His holy righteousness. God provided the shelter of the cloud. But they were still afraid, and they fell to the ground at the sight of the cloud and at the light and the sound of the Father's voice from the cloud. I imagine listen to Him sort of rang in Peter's ears as he prostrated himself with the others on the ground with his face buried in the dirt as if eating it, stifling his talk of tents and any thought of staying there. This is what sinners do when confronted with the majesty and power of God. They cower in fear and trembling, hoping not to die. It was a smart, even if automatic move due to their fear to bury their face and hide. But Jesus came and touched them saying, rise and have no fear. And when they lifted their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus. And they came down the mountain with Jesus telling them, Tell no one of the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. With all they had and were about to endure as they went to Jerusalem, Jesus gave them this glimpse of his heavenly glory to strengthen their faith and hope in him. They would not understand it fully until after the resurrection, even Pentecost, at which point they would proclaim his glory they had seen and then understood his glorious gospel of salvation to the world. Peter writes in, in his second epistle read today, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased." We ourselves heard this voice born from heaven, and we were with him 
on the holy mountain. It is only after all the things Jesus spoke of took place that they boldly confess they have seen and understand why they could not stay on the mountain. And what they proclaim is proclaimed as eyewitnesses in a word given by God. They had lived and walked with Jesus in a situation of now and not yet, as the work of salvation Jesus would do unfolded before them. They finally saw the completion of it on the cross in the resurrection and recorded it for us and all who will hear and believe. When we come to this holy mountain of the church, not the building or the place, but where God desires to be with us and give us the gifts of his word and sacraments, the place where we are given his name and baptism and his Holy Spirit to dwell in us, we should desire to be here and stay here. We lift up our hearts, having been assured of the salvation we have in Christ. It is good to be here. But we, like Peter, John, and James, must leave this heavenly presence and return to our earthly places and vocations. We, like them, must go and carry our cross. We must endure the trials, temptations, pains, and sufferings of this life. And we must realize we will fail and sin as our faith is challenged and tested, just as that of all the disciples was when Christ was mocked, tried, and crucified. And they fled in fear. But just as Jesus went down from the mountain with them, so he goes with us out of this place and into our homes, our families, and places where we live our lives and vocations. He is with us in our trials and temptations, earthly battles with disease and sickness, and most especially in our time of death. He brings us repentance. He brings us to repentance as we see our failings and fall before him. He forgives us, telling us, rise and have no fear. We go in peace. Our baptism, in our baptism, Christ is with us, the Holy Spirit in us that gives us strength and eternal life. We too are in this now and not yet. We see what God has done for us as he tells us in his word and Holy Scripture. We receive his gifts together as his people called by him by his word. Yet we leave this place having received just a glimpse of the glory that God has given us and live in hope of the promised eternal glory. We understand what our hope is, but we cannot imagine the totality or splendor of it, so far beyond what we might experience in this earthly life. The beauty of, of the California coast or the hills and lakes of upstate New York, where we might like to stay and open that little Italian restaurant, like my father had dreamt of it, are far, far, far less glorious. Our Heavenly Father has a much greater place prepared for us, a place with Him where He will say, do not be afraid, as we live in peace and glory that is a gift from God through the gift of faith we have in Christ. Until that day, have no fear. It's good to be here, in this place, with our Lord. But... He bids us to leave, carry our cross, and live by the light of his life that is in us. His work is finished so that we may live in the light of the resurrection, tell others what he has done, and return here together to see his glory revealed in his word and sacrament and be reminded of his great promise of eternal life 
with him in all his glory. A glory we shall see on the last day when we rise and have no fear. In the name of Jesus, amen.